Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. So I thought tonight we're going to do something that we do know we're sure of, the Word of God. Everyone okay with that? Good, I'm glad. So we're going to do something the final time I'm going to ask you to do this tonight. That's, that's a lie. I might ask you a number of times. But I'm going to ask you for your final Christian Zumba workout today. If you can stand one more time. We're going to read scripture together. It's going to appear on the screen. The reason why I get you to stand is because here at Life Change, we believe the Word of God is highest authority. We're not a people who want to give you our opinions or our ideas. But we want to say that we want to point you to the Word of God. Because we believe this is the only thing that can change. So we're going to read it together, and uh, we're going to trust because I believe that this preaching thing is not spectator sports. It's not you watching going, entertain us, Gabe. It's participating with what God wants to say to you now. So the Scriptures, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it's on the screen now. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Okay, we're going to do this together. Everyone ready, eh? Okay, I'm going to say it. You're going to repeat it. Are you ready? Sunday night, this is how we end the week and start the new week. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Let's pray before you sit. Father, I pray this evening, as we give the next half an hour to you and our attention to your word, I pray we believe we are people not just of talk but of power. I thank you, Father God, that we don't want to just have more information. We want to see transformation. And I thank you, God, that your word is here to do that in our lives. I pray, Spirit of God, come and make the word of God come alive. Things maybe that we've heard before or fresh things, God, no matter whether they, where they are in our grid or our reference, would they ignite our hearts to love you more and to become more like you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seat, say hi to someone on the way down. To say hello, it's good to be in church. Good. If you saw, uh, if your eyes caught a pretty lady or a pretty, uh, yeah, a pretty guy, <laughs> then maybe, maybe Satan, let's have a coffee afterwards. Maurice is on duty. Mm, it's going to be good. But a couple stories just to set the, to set the tone this evening. I grew up in a country called Zimbabwe. When we stumbled onto school holidays, like many kids are now. Our parents were, were anxious. They were nervous because they were like, what do we do to occupy three weeks of time for children? Any parents are feeling the same, same pressure at the moment. So what are we going to do with our kids for the next three weeks or so? And even more so for, for my family because they had a, my, a little redhead, Gabe Phillips, who was, uh, for the lack of a better word, probably the most hyperactive little kid in the neighborhood. He had a very hyperactive cousin down the road called Ben Van Vake, and we were partners in crime. We were partners in crime. We, were, we would love to entertain ourselves. And if the, if the house went quiet, my parents knew there was trouble. And uh, we did a couple things a few times. We, the first thing that came to mind as I was reminded of this this weekend was a moment where Ben and I, we thought, we, just, we, we really want to get to know our neighbors down the road. So what we did was we got together um, a, a, a form that said raffle cake, chocolate raffle cake. And we went up and down that day going and meeting our neighbors, a little toothy grins and uh, red, red, red haircut in a bowl, uh, bowl haircut fashion by Sue Phillips, my mom, that's how she cut it. And, uh, and, and who, would, who wouldn't love this little face selling them a raffle cake, eh? 
raffle ticket for a cake. And uh, we'll go do it, and we sold it. We made a fortune that day. Here's the trick is we had no cake um, to present them. But they, who would doubt us? Who would doubt us? And, and that was an exciting adventure for us until my parents found out. And the next day was an exciting adventure. As with red bums, we went and we returned all the money to the neighbors. Lots of fun, lots of fun. Judah, don't take notes, okay? No. Another time, we, we, we were so excited about this. Our parents used to go and take us to um, Vacation Bible School, which was uh, another church. Yes, do I get an amen over there? Which was uh, an elaborate setup uh, for us. We really weren't massive fans, but uh, it was a week-long festival of singing Jewish songs and uh, doing arts and crafts and lots of fun. We weren't even part of that church, but my parents signed us up, anything to get us, uh, us off their hands. And my cousin and I, with our, our, our little bit of wealth that we accrued, uh, that we had managed to hold back from the returning process, we purchased some sink bombs, as young kids do. And in this very um, liturgical, quiet uh, uh, church filled with stained glass windows and wooden pews, we stood in the back row, and at the height of Havana Shalom Alechem, a Jewish song that reached the crescendo, I won't sing it tonight, unfortunately, next week. But at that moment, my cousin and I, at that moment, strategically dropped the stink bombs. And, and everyone at first thought, wow, is that the presence of God? No, it's the presence of Satan himself. <laughs> and, and, and we thought this was hilarious until a hand gripped our shoulder and dragged us out. And a woman with such pain in her eyes as she looked at us, as she dragged us into the vestry along the side and took these two little boys in her eyes and said, not in the house of God. And we knew we were in trouble yet Again, but I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a man that, uh, as I grew up, I, I was always having to pay things back, and we had to spend time that week, and we, our parents were dragged in, and we had to wash the carpets of this, this aroma. And I was wondering, for a young guy who owned so little, I was spending a lot of time paying things back. <laughs> like, I don't have my own money, but I'm giving money back all the time. It's a bit of a problem. And I think for us, what I wanted to uh, push us in the direction tonight, from this scripture, it's a simple understanding, but I want I believe they'll revolutionize our lives as we look towards Easter. As I think we're all aware of the understanding when we're under pressure, when we need to pay something back. Maybe you're here in this room and you've just purchased a car, and soon after that you have crashed it and are paying back that car. Is anyone here? Anyone here? We all know that pain. A few hands have gone up. Sheesh, this is a new thing. Wow. I thought it was just one person, quite a few people. But we know that pain. We all are familiar with that. Or maybe you're the person who um, was so excited. You bought that thing and you got home. And then you weren't excited when you saw your wife's eyes because she saw the thing you bought. And she's trying to work out how to reconcile. How does this fit into our budget? And you're realizing how are we going to make this thing work? Or maybe you've been driving and you've seen the speeding signs, the flashing lights. As you thought it said 60, and you were going, you thought it said 80, but you were going, no, you thought it said 80, so you went 80, but then you realized it said 60 at the last minute, and then you saw the flash, and your heart sank. And you live in fear, or maybe you've just had a baby, and you live in fear of those emails saying discovery, claiming back, and wanting to know how much you have to pay. Is there anyone? It's just me. And your heart lives in this moment of anxiety of going, I wonder if that, that the post box will be full with that red letter tomorrow. I wonder if, if uh, uh, my budget will stretch. I wonder what the hospital is going to now. Next thing they're going to phone us about with the, 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 the paying system. I don't know if, that's, if I'm the only one who lives in that, a little bit of anxiety of what might happen. And I believe a lot of us, not only in the natural, but actually in our lives, live like that. Not just in natural things, but in spiritual things. We live, what if tomorrow they find out? 
What if tomorrow or when, when will be that moment where the illusion I've created about myself, my spouse will find out about it or my boss will find out or, or actually I don't want anyone ever to know who I really am. So we live in a little bit of a fear and anxiety and I want to help us find a little bit of freedom for that because I believe Jesus Christ died the death he did so that you and I would not live with that anxiety, with that fear, with that uh, uh, of, of keeping hiding things and keeping trying to Put on a strong front face. I believe Jesus wants to set us free from that tonight so that we can live in a spacious place. Is that cool? Everyone all right? Left to right? Everyone okay? Good. So we're going to do that by looking at this one simple scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Three takeaway points from this scripture tonight, then we'll be done. The first point is this. Number one, in Him. If we go on the screen, the next one says, in Him. What, are, what I'm understanding about this is that scripture I love. It says, in Him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He has an incredible thing. That scripture for me starts with God in him. It ends with his grace, and in the middle is his blood. It's God at the beginning. It's God at the end. It's God in the middle. This whole scripture is about God. It starts with him, ends with him, finishes him, finishes with him. But and here's the kicker for you and I is that actually in our pursuit of enlightenment, in our pursuit of better yourself principles, trying to make our lives better, searching for spiritual high, spiritual freedom to get the weight off us, we often start with, in me. Or churches will start to say, actually, your sin. You've got a problem. You're in a a bad space. But here's a scripture for me, is the scripture say it starts with, in him. The good news as well tonight is this. It doesn't say in you. It doesn't say in church. It doesn't say in your good works. It says in him. If I can do one thing tonight is this. I want to give you the gift of being set free from yourself. I think we have a preoccupation uh, and uh, we are slaves to our own pleasures, to our own desires, to our egos, to what people think of us, to the opinions of man. But actually what God wants to do even this evening is set you and I free from ourselves. People around the world will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars each year going to conferences to go to a hyped-up preacher or a hyped-up speaker who will jump around at marketing conferences and different moments to yell at the people in an Oprah-esque type fashion. You can do it! Come on! You can do it! Just search deeper and you can do it. And in my head, I picture the movie Yes Man. Anyone seen that movie? You know, Just say yes and it'll revolutionize your life. And you're like, yes! And people get hyped up and yes, I can do it. Here's something for free tonight. You've got a hyped-up redhead who's going to jump up and down on stage and tell you again and again, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Look under your seats. You can't do it. Everyone can't do it. Should have a talk show, eh? But the greatest news, and I'll tell you this is the greatest and most freeing news, is that you can't do it. You see, we do it all the time. We even read the Bible this way. We read the Bible with ourselves as the center, as the heroes of the story. Let me give you one example. I love this example. We read David and Goliath, and we go, oh, David and Goliath, great story. You go, oh, I'm David, Goliath of my problems, and if I just really work hard enough, I'll be able to take on my enemy and get the victory. Yes. Bad theology. Bad, bad theology. Bad theology. Here's here's understanding of that scripture is that you are not David. You're not the hero of the story. The Bible was not written as a moralistic thing to find your place and how you can become a better person. No, it's not even that. David is a representation of Jesus. 
Goliath is the enemy. If you want to know who your place in this story, who you are, you're David's scared brothers on the sideline watching, going, has David won it yet? Oh, David's taking him down. Yes, we won! Running into the victory. That's who you and I are. Jesus winning our battles, and because of that, by default, we get to run into the victory. Because it's in Him. Until we know how enslaved we were, we won't know how free we are. Until we know how enslaved we were, we won't know how free we are. We are inebriated, we're drunk, we're intoxicated on our own false sense of goodness. What I mean by that, I think a lot of us, we live on a sliding scale. So we, we say we measure ourselves against other people. So I, I know I'm, I'm not great, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not as bad as. Has anyone ever seen that game? It's a good one, it's a nice one. It's lovely at the moment, so at least I'm not as bad as that political leader. Oh, come on. Integrity. But actually, if I look at my own life, or we say things like that, can I, in, in, my, in my head, I've got this, this picture of, um, of a young kid whose, whose mom comes and says, tidy, tidy up your room. Like, okay, yes, mom. And we start tidying up the room, but instead of putting things away in the proper place, end up shoving all the things, the toys and the, the bats and the balls and the, the extra blankets and things into the cupboard. And then leaning against it, that cupboard is just pulsating with things and creaking, and the weight of it's about to explode out of that thing. But the kid's holding it back going, I've cleaned it, mom! And hoping that mom will, will, will let it go. And I think a lot of us live our lives like that. We end up living our lives saying, I've just got, if I just get a few things right, but actually we're just putting them behind us, trying to hold our lives together. But if we keep living like that, can I tell you, it's tiring. Am I the only one who gets exhausted with trying to keep things okay and try and keep my own mess together and trying to hold back the, the, the weight of my own sin? It's tiring. And it's actually impossible because here's the thing, no matter how you dress it up, a dead person is still a dead person. I've gone to many funerals, and as much as you can put a suit on a, on, on a corpse, you can get the finest oak coffin, whatever you do, however you dress that person up, that person is still lifeless. Here's what the scripture tells us. The Bible tells us that we were dead in our sins. Not just slightly better people. No, 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 or not so bad people. No, the Bible says you were dead. Dead in your sins. And here's the understanding for us tonight, is that there is a debt that you and I owe that cannot be paid, begged for, borrowed, or saved up for. We owe a debt. Second point this evening is in Him, number two is we have redemption. Now let me tell you, the understanding of redemption, just to unpack this very quickly for you and I, a better understanding or another word that you can use that's uh, a simile there is the word ransom. Now, Jesus says he came to be a ransom for many. Now, our understanding of that is, we, in my head, it goes straight away to the Hollywood movies, and I think of the president's son has been abducted, and the, the, the men in the masks have asked for a ransom. The understanding in the, in the Jewish context uh, where this was written is better understood where a nation would come against a nation at war, and the nation, the victors, would then end up taking uh, the, the, the losers of battle, individuals away, back to their land, back to their nation. And uh, what they would do, would they would the full weight of hatred and anger they had against that nation, they'll put on their kidnapped subject. They'll put the whole weight of that on that person. And that person would feel the full ab abuse and full wrath of that nation 
the nation's sins would be put on them, and they would be held captive to that until that nation would send a representative to come and pay some, some type of restitution for that person's freedom, a ransom, a redemption moment. You see, this understanding is that it's actually redemption is an economic term. It's an economic term. In him, we have redemption. It's an understanding around debt that is owed. But the question I want to ask us this evening is, we've got to understand from Scripture, what have we been redeemed from? Three understandings this evening. Number one is that we have been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from sin. The Bible tells us, as in Ephesians 2, it says that we were dead. Dead in our sins. So we have to understand with sin, there's two ideas with sin. There's the penalty of sin and there's the power of sin. Sin has a penalty to it and a power. The penalty of sin is this. The Bible in Romans 6 says that the wages of sin, another economic term, the wages, the payment for sin is death. So Eddie Izzard, a comedian, would have talked us through this and said that you work, you work, you work at your sin. You work so hard, and at the end of the day, you say, I've become such a good sinner. And you'll sometimes say, I'm here for my payment. And the guy would say, cake or death? And you'll say, I'll take cake. And are we all out of cake? Death. Two people watch Izzy and Eddie Izzard. Great. Thank you. But here's the thing. You work. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. I like you guys. It's good. Sunday night. But what happens is this. You work hard your sin. The payment for your sin economically is that you die. The Bible could not be any clearer. It's not some, that's not going to make on a Hallmark greeting card or going to be a script on the back of a, a bus or your taxi into town. The wages of sin is death. Nice one, eh? I like that one. No, but it's clear. It couldn't be any clearer. But here's the understanding. There's no clear cut going around it. The Bible tells us that there was a penalty and that's death. But there's also alongside it the power of sin. And in Romans 6, 7, 8, it tells us again that we were slaves to sin. The slaves, that, that, we, that sin was our master. Where sin pulls us, we are powerless. We have to go that way. We've heard it said this before, the Hansi Cronier moment. Anyone remember Hansi Cronier? When he said, the devil made me do it. And we all go, come on, Hansi, take some ownership. But in some ways, great theology. Because we were slaves to sin. We are helpless but to go that way. I don't know why I did it. I've said that many times. Many times when I've fallen into sin or old habits, I often look after in retrospect, but why did I do that? Why did I get so worked up? Why did I get so angry? Why did I, why did I get so greedy? Why did I do those moments? Am I, am I the only one who, who sometimes I go, I don't understand. You know, in the, the light of day, I look back at my sinful pattern. I go, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. We, we all have those moments, but the, the, we are told that we are slaves to sin. But here is the good news. Colossians 2 verse 13. Go read Colossians 2, but it has great answers for us. Colossians 2 verse 13 says this. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ because he forgave all our sins. I've underlined that word all in my Bible. All my sins. It's scandalous. That the price Jesus would pay would forgive all our sins. Past, present, future. That's all counted for in that little word called all. All means all. It's scandalous. It offends me that the grace of God would be that good. But here's something that I love. Is that Jesus came and said that sin, because of Jesus, sin will no longer be your master. You'll become slaves to righteousness. What does that mean? If, if sin pulled me and I become more sinful, here's what righteousness does. Christ pulls me, and no matter wh whatever my desires are, I become more and more righteous. 
because I'm a slave to righteousness. The great news of the gospel. But here's the incredible news for us this evening, that there is no sin more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Sin is powerful, but I want to tell you this, that there's no sin that trumps the blood of Jesus. You think about it. Think about the worst thing that could ever, ever happen. Can I tell you, no matter what you come up with, if we've got a list on the thing, I'll tell you, Jesus time and time again goes, checkmate, checkmate, I'm better, checkmate, I'm better, checkmate, I'm better, I win. The blood of Jesus trumps your sin any day. You cannot go too far, you not, cannot go too, have your heart too hard, that the blood of Jesus cannot redeem you. Great news. I've had, I've had friends who people says, who've had people tell them that actually the things you've done, the grace of God is up on your life. I'll tell you, that's a lie. Jesus, Spurgeon tells us that the grace of God is the hound dog of heaven. It'll hunt you down. It'll pursue you. It'll seek you. Psalm 23 says, it ever chases me. Sir, ma'am, if you sing here and you say, oh, I'm far, far from God, I'll tell you, you haven't gone far enough because the grace of God goes further still. This is the good news of the gospel this morning, this evening. But here's the kicker that this is somebody had to die to, to get guarantee us this forgiveness. And that somebody was either us or a ransom payer. Somebody had to die in this, in this agreement. But here's the kicker is that today you and I can be free. Today. Not tomorrow, not after the end of a number of sermons or if you do this course. No, the Bible says in him we have redemption. We have a promise to you today. We have. It's the present tense now. Not one day you will. Yes, there is a fulfillment day coming. But right now in this place, you and I are, don't have to be labored and live under the weight of sin, the power and penalty of sin, because we have redemption because of his blood. Is that not good news? For me, that's very exciting news this, this evening. And I really believe right now that I, as I was prepping this, uh, this year, this weekend and this week before, that the power of sin, as I preach, I'm trusting the power of sin, the entrancing nature of the sin will be broken by the blood of Jesus. The things that have held you captive, that held you uh, as a slave for years, you say, I just can't help it. But I tell you, in him, you have redemption. Second thing that we've been redeemed from, not only is sin, but secondly, the law. We were dead in our sins. The Bible goes on. Ephesians 2 says we were also disobedient. We were disobedient to the law. We were not only slaves to sin, we were slaves to the law. We were guilty. But here's the thing. The law is powerless to save us. All it can do is point out our sins, point out our flaws. I've heard people say, I just want to live under the Ten Commandments. You know? I just want to do that. I'll say, good luck. <laughs> Try and live by it. You'll be crushed by it and you'll die by the Ten Commandments. How do I know that? Because you say, well, I've never, I'm never going to murder. Well, Jesus goes and ups the stakes. And he says, you've heard it said, do not, do not murder. I tell you, Jesus says, if you've said, I hate you, you've committed murder in your heart. I'm like, oh, well, I'm done. Strike one, gone. He says, well, I, I, don't, I don't know, adultery. Jesus says, well, you say, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'll tell you, if you've looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery within your heart. I'm like, oh, I'm 0 for 2. I don't even want him to get on the next eight. I'm in trouble. I'm like, no. So, sir, man, if you say, I just, I just want to live a good life, I'll tell you, you can't. It's done. You're already done. You're already finished. You've already tripped up too far already. Years ago, I remember, and I'm sure my good friend Mark Van Pleasen won't remember this, but I went to his their house one evening, and I spilt the sugar. And I remember this moment uh, quite vividly because I spilt the sugar. And I said, I'll, I'll cut, clean up. And Mark, in, in, a, in, in, in jocular fashion, is that even a word? Jocular? Let's go with it. 
I've got the mic. Um, he followed me around as I was cleaning up and saying, you've missed a spot. And I was like, ugh, you missed a spot. You missed a spot. Yeah, sounds about like, eh? That sounds like, good, good. The law is here. Um, anyway. But here, this is what I feel the law does. The law will follow you. That's its job. The law was put in place to point out where we have missed. You've missed a spot. You've missed a spot. You've missed a spot. So much so that years ago, we had, uh, when we started the youth group here, we, started, uh, we had a massive food fight in the parking lot. It was with spoiled food from checkers. And we thought this was great ideas as young teenagers. Like, this is awesome. Until we realized all the youth, we waved them goodbye after an incredible night of throwing old stale cream pies at each other and things that were trodden into the thing. And it was amazing fun. Until all the teenagers left and the five or six youth leaders looked at each other and said, who's going to tidy this up? And we're like, oh, this is a, this is a nightmare. The car park was, was disgusting. And we knew churches in two days, we were in trouble. So we said, guys, we've got to do this. And I remember looking, and, and the, the guys were gung-ho for this, and it was about one in the morning, and I looked out, and there was one girl who'd got a, 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 a small brush and a, one of those little pans, and it was in the corner, scrubbing away. And I looked at her, I thought, hey, bless her heart. <laughs> but if we go at this rate, we'll be finished in, in about, we'll make it by Tuesday, next year. It was like one of those things. I thought, actually, please put it away. Let's get the hose pipe out. We've got to get the big guns in. But this is the understanding is I think a lot of us live our lives like that. We think we go, we've got project after project. Okay, if I just get over this thing, I'm going to work hard at this thing. And we work hard, work hard, and we go, yes. And we look, take a step back going, oh, flip. I've still got a lot to go. Which is fine. It's a process of journeying. But we have to understand when we understand that our freedom's not in us, not in our ability to clean up our own mess, because we'll never get to the end of our own mess on our own. Guilt and shame may be plague you day and night. You cannot erase the memory. We mentioned Colossians 2 verse 13. Verse 14 goes on and says this. He canceled, talking about Jesus, he canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Let me tell you, only one thing came down off that cross. That was the body of Jesus. The law that he put up there that Jesus hammered to the cross never came down. The law has been nailed to the cross If you come in Him, in Jesus, the law is powerless against you. You know, there's the the law, the bony finger of the law that jabs you in the chest, that says, you missed a spot, you missed a spot. Have you you reconciled with that? Have you done enough? Have you you met, met, met the grade? I'll tell you, the thing that Jesus did was that day when He marched up that hill, He silenced that barking dog, He snapped that bony finger of the law, and He said, it is finished. He cut off, as Rory Dye often preaches, he cut off the trailers of our past. I, I think a lot of us, we live our Christian lives following Jesus, but holding on to the, the guilt and shame of our past. Just loading it up into the trailer and pulling it along as we go, saying, this is really hard. And Jesus actually says, let go of the trailer. Let go of the trailer. I have dealt with your, the past. I've dealt with the guilt and shame of your past. So Jesus has redeemed us from sin. We were dead. He has redeemed us from the law. We were disobedient. And thirdly, he has redeemed us from the dominion of darkness. The Bible in Ephesians 2 says we were not only dead, disobedient, we were doomed. We were under a cloud of the enemy. The enemy uses guilt and shame and sin as his left and right, right hooks. As you, sin comes, you, he's, you're, he's a, sin is our master and he hits us. Bam! And as you get down, you realize, as you start getting up, you realize, I'm feeling so guilty and ashamed. And he hits us again with the guilt and shame. 
and then he comes up, and because of that, we, we end up not running back to the source so we can fall in more patterns, or sin, he hits us again, and guilt and shame again. And so many of us have been in this sin, uh, in, in this ring, this ring, on this fight against guilt and shame, and we've never understood that we've been lying bloodied mess on the floor trying to get up. And I believe too many of us have been in the ring for way too long. As long as you stay in the ring trying to pay the debt yourself, you'll never get up from that mat. I believe there's people here who have battled with something they did years ago. And that thing haunts you and you cannot get free. The stigma of your past follows you. That stench of your past follows you and you just can't, can't get through it. You can't get past it. And you feel like, I just, I just can't ever get through it. But here, here's the kicker. We say this often we, in Christian circles. We say things around, you know, I'm just battling with the spirit of fear or a spirit of rejection, or a spirit of anxiety. Here's the thing. It's just that. It's not just now a nice Christian way to say I'm struggling with fear. No, it is this. It's a spirit called fear. We are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy comes as a spiritual entity called fear, called rejection. How do I know? Because it's definitely not from God. If it's not from God, it's got to be from a different place, a different thing. And there's only other one spiritual authority. It's God or the enemy. It's not just some physical feeling. And here's the thing. Some of us are trying to fight spiritual battles with physical weapons. Coming against spirits of fear, going, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to go to more church meetings. I'm just going to read the Bible more. Not bad things on their own, but if they, you think those are your weapons to win the war, you have failed before you've started. I'll tell you, the Bible says here in this scripture, in him we have redemption. And I believe we have redemption from every valley. Every valley. There's no valley that's too low. There's no, there's no place that you can go. The redemption of God cannot pull you out of. How do I know this? Because in Colossians 2 verse 15, read verse 13, read 14, verse 15 finishes in this fashion. It says, in this way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Yes, the enemy is powerful, but the Bible tells us in Colossians 2 that Satan, because of the cross, when we come in Christ, Christ has disarmed the enemy. If you're coming in your own strength, yes, the enemy's got power, but if you're coming in Christ, he's been disarmed. Eugene Peterson says it this way, Christ marched Satan naked down the high street, the conqueror over the conquered. In my head, a visual image, I love the fact this wasn't a fair fight. This wasn't where Satan landed a few blows and, and Jesus docked. It wasn't like a Rambo, like wait till the end where the winner will just get the blow at the last minute. Jesus walked in, slammed the cross and says, done. And, drag, and the enemy squealing behind him, naked like this. It's finished! That's our king. That's the one we come in the name of. Jesus, the conqueror. Not some better yourself principles. This is the one I run to. Let me tell you, Romans 8, verse says, no, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in church. Now there's no condemnation for those who pray a lot. It says, no, it says this, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Sir, ma'am, can I release you from being, trying to find your freedom in you or in better yourself t- tactics because there's still condemnation there. But in Christ, there's no condemnation. Final point this evening as we come into land. It says this, in him we have redemption. We have redemption from sin, from the law, from the dominion of darkness. And why, how do we do this? Point three says, through his blood. 
Let me tell you this way. It's not by, 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 it doesn't tell us the scripture, it doesn't say we have redemption through a power encounter with God. I just need the man of God to pray for me. It doesn't say that. Or if revival comes to town, then I'll be free one day. It doesn't say that either. It also doesn't say on the other side, it doesn't say it comes to power, it doesn't also say it comes to only through truth. I just need more Bible study. I just need more, 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 you know, I just need to read more. Those things are not bad. But if you think that is how we are going to get free, you're laboring under false convictions. Because the Bible tells us clear as day, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Here's my question I ask myself. Maybe I'm the only one who asks this. Why, why couldn't God just forgive us? Why couldn't he just go, you know, Gabs, I know your heart. You're, you're, at, at the heart, you're a good guy, man. Just, uh, we'll, we'll talk it up to learning. Why couldn't he just forgive us? Scripture goes in Hebrews 9, it says, without, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And I'm like, that's quite barbaric. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm the only one. He goes, I don't get that sometimes. Tim Keller explains it this way. He says, if you buy a brand new car and you've parked it outside in the parking lot here and you're like, ooh, it's a nice car. You're enjoying it. And uh, after the meeting tonight, you go out there and you see a, yo- a young man, a hooligan with a baseball bat, just laying into your brand new car, windshield, smashing it, smashing the tires there, hitting the wing mirrors off, laying into the windows. And you're like, hey, what are you doing? And he drops the bat and he goes, I don't know what came over me. I'm so, so sorry. Can you forgive me? You're standing there going, okay, you can be the nicest guy in the world. You can go, actually, you know what? I understand life's been tough. I forgive you. And he's like, thank you, emotional, music will play, and it'll be beautiful. But here's the thing. Somebody still has to pay for the car. Somebody still has to pay for the car. Either me for forgiving, I have to do it, or he has to do it, or somebody, a third party has got to do it. But the, no matter how much I say, forgive you, brother. No, forgive, no, I forgive you. You forgive me. No matter how nice I am, there's still something wrong that needs to be restored. Someone has to absorb the cost. It's, and this is the thing in understanding our, our, our sin, is it was either us or it's him. Someone's going to do it. If you're going to hold on to your rights and say, I'm going to try to do it, good luck, sir, ma'am, because the Bible says the wages of that is death. Because this is it. So the God we serve is not just a benevolent God who winks at our sin. So much so, God says, I'd rather die than live without you. So he did die. He did die. He paid that in death. A, good who, a God who pays our debts. No loose ends. This is the great news I love, is that there's not going to be a day where God will stumble on a sin or something and go, ooh, I didn't know that about you. It's so freeing. When I go, in him I have redemption, because there's, then that means there's nothing, even in my future, something that I maybe will forget to even apologize for. God's not going, oh, what about that one thing? Why? Because I'm not trusting on my apologies. I'm trusting in him. Oh, what confidence it brings a believer. What joy and peace it brings a believer when you understand this. Because this is the news. In Hebrews 9 verse 12, and I'll finish. The scripture says this, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Four things about this redemption. It's not temporary. It's not like you're in and you're out. He loves me, he loves me not. No, the redemption, if we come in Christ, we understand this, is that it's forever. It's not temporary. Secondly, it's not earthly. 
It's not just a feel-good factor. They'll make you feel okay. No, this is a spiritual thing done, dynamic, done in the heavenlies. You have redemption. Thirdly, it's complete. Not one little bit of it is lacking. Not Actually, I'll do 80, but can you ask us to do 20? No, Jesus said, I'll do 100%. I'll do it all. Covered, done, dusted. Finally, it's also once for all. Once for all time, after he does, he sat down, saying, my work is done. It's not temporary. It's not earthy. It's complete. It's once for all. So much so that when Jesus died on the cross, he yelled his last words with these words. The Greek is this, Tetelestai! Meaning it is finished. But a better understanding is this. Jesus did not make up a Greek thing at the last minute saying, let me say something Greek to impress these people. <laughs> no, no. It was a colloquial Greek term that was echoed in the marketplace. Marketplace people who were in buying and selling would yell that term all the time. The people would know this term well. Why? It was a term that actually meant economically paid in full. So what would happen in the market? If you came to pay your bill and you paid it and you said, I, you know, I owe a lot of money on the, on the agricultural produce that I've produced, that I've just uh, purchased, you'd pay your bill and the guy would yell, Tetelestai, paid in full. I've got no, no ang- anger, no, no beef with you anymore. Jesus on the cross declares that over humanity, paid in full. A story. Can I ask the band to come up very quickly? There was this young lad who loved, who loved uh, working with his hands, and one day he was, he was fashioning a little boat. And he made a little boat in his school holidays, and he chipped away at the wood, and he loved it. He got the paint out, the acrylic paint, and he painted it white and had a little black stripe across it. Got little sails, and he put it up on the boat, and he, he made this little beautiful boat, and he worked so hard at it. He dropped it a couple of times, so had a few chips in it, but, but he loved this little thing. He loved the boat. He labored over it. He knew this boat backwards. And then that day came, he thought, I want to I see how it goes in the storm drain. So they had rain the night before, so the storm drains were going, and he came, he put it there, and he watched, and he followed, and the, as the, the boat took the rapids, and he ran around after it, yelping with delight, look at it go, look at it go. And then the boat, the, the rapids, the canal, suddenly had veered to the left, and he realized, oh, no, I didn't think it would go that way. And the, the boat went that way, and he, he tried to keep up with it, but before it was too long, the boat disappeared over the horizon, and his little legs couldn't keep up anymore, and he lost it heart was broken and he was he was devastated at losing this boat that he had fashioned a few weeks went by and he was walking down the high street and as he was walking he went past the shop window and he, and he stopped because he looked in the window there was his boat black stripe little chip in the corner it was no doubt his boat and it was on sale for 100 rand and he was like that's my boat that's my boat so he he opens the door runs into the, the shopkeeper and says sir 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 that's my boat and the shopkeeper Ever the salesman said, yes, it is. And it can be yours for 100 rand today, my boy. And he's, like, he's like, no, 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 you don't get it. I made that. He goes, no. Yeah, yeah, sure, my, sure, my son. I need 100 bucks for that. Thank you. And the boy, but but frustrated, but angry, but he steals his heart saying, actually, I want my boat back. So he disappears, goes back home. He says, mom, mom, I need some chores. I need some chores around the house. Give me some things to do. He washes cars. He, he mows the lawn. He, he walks the dog. And the mom pays him slowly. And after a few months go by, he makes up into the cash and gets, he counts his pennies. And he gets up to 100 rand. And, and with delight, he runs all the way back to the shop. Gets there. Walks through the door with confidence. Goes up to the man behind the desk. And he says, I'm here to get my boat. Pays the money. And the man gets the boat off shelf and he takes it home with him. The boat that he made and the boat that he also paid for. Here's the kicker for you and I tonight. 
is that Jesus made you and I. He has every right to us. He fashioned us. He formed us. He knew you before you were, you, were, you were born. He knew the number of hairs on your head. He knew with delight He fashioned you, not as a mistake, but with joy in His heart, with purpose in His heart, He made you. But we, like sheep, have all gone astray. And we've walked away, sometimes to radical sins, and, but also just as bad, to radical trusting of ourselves. Trusting our good works, our attempts to become okay with God. Here's the thing. Jesus did not just make us. He paid for us. We are doubly his. On the cross, he said, it is finished. He paid. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the curse of sin, and he cursed of dominion of darkness. He said, you're mine forever. He made you. He paid for you. And here's the thing I love for us this evening. As I believe tonight, God is shifting us from trusting in me, trusting the areas in our lives of sin that you're saying, I will get over this. Or trusting with hurts and saying, I will work hard to, give, get, to get free from this. Or trusting with our future, I will work hard to get myself a future. And Jesus said, will you shift from being in me to being in him in every area of your life? Because when we do this, I tell you, freedom like you've never known will grab your heart. Can we stand to our feet?